I was really inspired by the workplace and the environment and the collaboration that was happening there. And I felt really comfortable there. I'm not sure if it's because they have that massive chopstick table that's a community table and really like helps with collaboration in the office or if it was just the nature of the people that Felicity and Brian had selected to be part of their team. But it all just blended really nicely together and I felt really comfortable. A good kitchen produces good food. But a great kitchen brings people together. Welcome to Meet Me in the Kitchen, a podcast inspired by Little Kitchen Academy, exploring the key ingredients to a meaningful life and how they are changing lives from scratch. Here's my dad and your host, Scott Rintoul. It's not every day that one tries to compare high-level athletes to children learning to cook, but bear with me for a moment. When done well, both sports and cooking are beautiful unions of science and art, where the techniques honed in practice meet the creativity of the moment, and the result is a joyous display of self-expression. That description might sound like hyperbole, unless you've experienced that intoxicating combination of focus and freedom that is often referred to as flow state. At the core of that feeling are confidence and empowerment, two of the key characteristics that Little Kitchen Academy is designed to create in its students. Jamie Hennessy recognized that during her time as a practicum student at the West Point Gray location in Vancouver. The fifth-year track athlete knows what it feels like to be in the zone both mentally and physically, and was extremely impressed with what she discovered at Little Kitchen Academy. Jamie recently found a bit of downtime between training and studying and agreed to meet me in the kitchen for a conversation about running, reciprocity, and reaching your potential. Jamie, I can safely say that you are the fastest guest that we have ever had on this podcast in terms of running speed. So why don't you tell me and the rest of the audience how you first got into competitive running? That's a good question, Scott. Really, I started running in elementary school with those little elementary school track meets and kind of just stuck with it and joined a local club and kept going into high school, doing all the track meets and the cross-country races and had enough talent, I guess, and skill to keep going to the university level and haven't really stopped. (laughs) I'm still running to this day. Well, running is an interesting sport because it's almost as if there's no off season. You can train all the way through the calendar if you want. You can have different events all through the calendar. So if you're going to commit to that, you have to love running. What is it that you love about running, Jamie? I love all the work that you can put into it and how that kind of shows in these amazing performances and results and personal best that you can achieve. It takes a lot of work and effort to get to a competitive race and just even get on the start line. So when you can put all of that effort and all that training into a performance that results in an amazing new personal best, I find that really gratifying and really rewarding. People will say this about a job, And they'll also say this about a sport that you really love, that it doesn't ever feel like work. But training is hard. 
Does it ever feel like work for you? Oh, yeah, it, it definitely feels like work. It's a lot of effort, but it's worth it for the personal confidence and satisfaction that I get out of the sport and knowing that I was the one that got myself to the placing or the speed or whatever results that I managed to achieve. Though most of our listeners won't be as familiar with track and field, specifically running as you are, there's so many different distances and disciplines that you can become involved in, and you've done a lot of them over the years. Now, one of your events is one of the most unique in track and field. It's called the Steeplechase. Please explain this event to those who are unfamiliar with it. (laughs) Yeah, the Steeplechase is a pretty funny event. I'm not really familiar with the history on it, but it kind of reminds me of a human horse jump race where you jump over these barriers, kind of like hurdles. There are four of them spaced out along the track. And then there's also a water pit that you have to do. So you have to navigate over the water pit. And it's a three kilometer race, but you have a total of 35 barriers to get over in the course of that. So when a lot of us were kids, we might have become familiar with the sprints or maybe the four or 800 meter run. Some people may have done cross country or at least know about cross country running. How does one decide to become a steeplechaser? That's a good question. Personally, I saw the event. It looked like a fun time. I thought it would be a little bit more interesting than just a 5K or 1,500-meter race where you don't have the extra element and challenge of the barriers. And they keep you honest. They keep you distracted throughout the race. You can compartmentalize the race into just getting over the barriers. So I like that aspect of it. And I was pretty flexible. So managing the hurdling technique was pretty intuitive, I would say, for myself. Now, you've been very successful at UBC. And from what I've been told, you're not one to brag about your accomplishments. But what's been the most rewarding part of being a university athlete, Jamie? Oh, that's a tough one. Looking back on my five to six years with UBC, I would say the most rewarding part of that whole experience was starting at a freshman level and putting the work in year after year and slowly improving and building up to some pretty impressive performances for my standards and seeing that improvement year after year, despite academic challenges, despite personal challenges, just constantly improving and taking one step forward until you get to the end of your career with UBC and you can look back and reflect on all that you've accomplished and all that you came from. Last year, I was able to place fourth at our nationals in the steeplechase, which was something that as a freshman, I would have never kind of envisioned myself getting close to that level. So I would say the most rewarding part is just putting in all the time and effort and being able to grow and improve as an athlete and a person from that. You mentioned academic challenges, and any of our listeners who've been student-athletes can relate to that, but there are others who may not understand what it's like trying to juggle all of that, especially at a prestigious university like the University of British Columbia. How has your academic journey progressed over the course of your time at UBC? 
Yeah, I mean, I started as an undergrad freshman in food, nutrition, and health. So I was studying science and nutrition in my first three years of school. And then I actually had to apply into the dietetics program, which was a very stressful application process. So during those first three years, you're trying to keep your grades up to make your application look a little more competitive and to help you get into this program that really only accepts like 35, 38 people a year. So that was pretty stressful. All the while you're 17 or 18 when you start university, you don't really know who you are. You're trying to figure out all of that stuff as well. In addition to the schooling and picking your career path, which for me was going into this field of dietetics. And so, yeah, it's kind of a full-time job in that you never really get a break from the schooling stuff when you are in school. It's on your mind most of the time. You have a weekend, but a lot of it is usually spent studying or worrying about studying while you're doing other things. So that can be a bit tough to manage in and around the training for student athletes. So they kind of have to fit in their training and be mentally sharp for their competitions in addition to kind of trying to manage and juggle their academic life, which at UBC can be pretty intensive depending on your program and your field of study. And your field of study is food and nutrition sciences specifically dietetics. Was that an area you were always compelled to? Why did you choose to go that route? Yeah. So back in high school, when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my post-secondary life, which is a lot to ask a 16-year-old, I think. (laughs) But back when I was 14, I was actually diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And part of that involved seeing someone called a dietitian, which I didn't really know what a dietitian was at that time. And this dietitian was a clinician working at BC Children's Hospital, and their job was to help me navigate learning how my type 1 diabetes was going to affect my nutrition and the foods and how I could eat food and take insulin in order to help me manage my condition. So that really exposed me to the field of nutrition and learning how people like dietitians can help the general public in optimizing their nutrition and lifestyle to improve their health and stay happy. So I was really blown away by that field and those interactions. I had positive interactions with the dietitian I worked with. So when it came time for me to pick something to study and something to eventually work towards specializing in, I thought that the field of dietetics would be really appropriate. And I loved it. I loved the combining nutrition and lifestyle and science and all of that together in order to help people at the end of the day. So that's kind of why I chose to be a dietitian. I want to come back to that in just one second, Jamie. But as we fuse that idea with your athletic career, how has managing type 1 diabetes impacted and influenced your athletic career? I mean, it's been tough. It's definitely been a steep learning curve. There was not a lot of advice I got from the clinicians I was working with regarding exercise. A lot of the advice out there was kind of just like, try stuff, figure it out on your own. We're here to support you, but we can't really tell you how your body's going to react to exercise and what you need to do in terms of managing 
the insulin you're taking and the food you're eating to appropriately keep your blood sugars in target during exercise. So yeah, it took years and years of me staying positive and trying to keep a good record of what I was doing and how my body was responding to the exercise in order to optimize and kind of make appropriate plans regarding my diabetes care around that. But on the other hand, it did teach me a lot about how my body uses carbohydrates as fuel and how like I can optimize that in my life. There are a lot of different ideas that make sense and have melded together to form your path to where you find yourself today, both as an athlete and as a student. I want to focus on the student part of it for a moment because it's not the running that brought you to Little Kitchen Academy in Vancouver. It was your studies and the fact that you ended up doing a practicum there. What was your experience at Little Kitchen Academy like? Oh, I had such a positive experience at Little Kitchen Academy. I didn't really know much about Little Kitchen. I lived in Kitsilano for three years, so I would fly on the 99 right by their West Point Gray location and always thought the children looked so cute in their little chef jackets. But I never really investigated it further until I found out that my placement was going to be there, which was pretty exciting. And really right from my first orientation with Felicity at that West Point Gray location, I was very captivated by the children and the environment and really was super impressed by what I was seeing because previously all my experience working with children had been coaching in kind of sport environments. So I was like getting children fired up and running around with them and really like high energy kind of frantic environments. But the LKA environment is probably the most relaxing children's workplace I have ever (laughs) experienced in my life is the total opposite of what I'd done in the past. And I'd never really been in a Montessori style education center and found it to be really empowering. It was very impressive. From the moment a child arrives at LK's door, they seem to follow through the same routine and complete a delicious recipe by the end of the day, which was largely all by themselves with as little intervention from the instructors as possible. So to me, that's what really stood out about Little Kitchen and made it such an incredible place. It felt like they weren't really just teaching kids and children how to cook, but they were teaching them how to learn on their own and grow on their own. So I really enjoyed that part of Little Kitchen. It was kind of a space where children weren't just really figuring out how to like grate cheese or use a blender. They were building their own problem-solving skills and gaining such valuable confidence along the way, which is something that I appreciated. A lot of us can relate to having done practicum placements in the past, and in my experience, there are certain environments that do it well, but there are some that are just a lot more comfortable than others. You can learn a lot at every single place you go, but there are some you just seem to fit in at very well. It appears like Little Kitchen Academy was one of those for you. Why was Little Kitchen Academy such a good fit for you, Jamie? I love working with children, so that part was already a check mark in the right box. In addition to that, I really loved the work environment of Little Kitchen. 
I loved the interaction between the instructors and the children and the management. It all seemed to flow really nicely. And I really enjoyed learning about the business side as well because I got my hands dirty. Like I got into instructing and that was a really important part of my practicum experience because my project was designing some curriculum. So I had to have that background on what an actual class looked like and what it felt like to instruct a class. But I also worked in the office a fair bit working on this curriculum And I was really inspired by the workplace and the environment and the collaboration that was happening there. And I felt really comfortable there. I'm not sure if it's because they have that massive chopstick table that's a community table and really like helps with collaboration in the office or if it was just the nature of the people that Felicity and Brian had selected to be part of their team. But it all just blended really nicely together and I felt really comfortable. So you've had the unique experience of being in the environment that we refer to at Little Kitchen Academy, where the students and the instructors are, and they're creating these delicious meals. But you've also been on the office side, which they commonly refer to as the nest at Little Kitchen Academy. You're talking about both environments here. How do they compare to one another in your experience? I mean, they are quite different, right? When you're in the environment with the children, there's structure and there's a specific kind of recipe that everyone follows. And you're in the field, you're working with the children. It's all about the children and focusing on how to support them and make their experience as positive as possible and help facilitate them that learning and that growth. In the office, it's kind of like the back end of that, right? So the office is where people are brainstorming ideas about marketing and thinking about expanding Little Kitchen to different places. And it's kind of where the dreamers are and where they're really trying to like lay out the map of what Little Kitchen is going to look like in the future. So to answer your question... They are quite different, but I would say both environments are a place where growth is happening. Whether it's the children growing or whether it's the company growing, they're both definitely environments that are trying to grow and expand in positive directions. You used the word empowerment earlier, and you're a young woman who is about to enter into the career field where you're hoping to, through your work, empower others, certainly with the way they manage their food and their nutrition. How do you believe that Little Kitchen Academy can empower children? Oh, Little Kitchen Academy is definitely already empowering children. From my observations as kind of an outsider coming into Little Kitchen Academy, I observed that they were empowering children by teaching them how to learn and how to problem solve on their own. And that gave them immeasurable amounts of confidence, knowing that they could do a task, complete a recipe, operate the blender, figure out how to clean up a mess all on their own without the instructors intervening so much, which when I was an instructor was quite challenging, right? There was a couple times where I had to just hold my hands behind my back to prevent myself from reaching out and trying to help a child whose soup cup was tipping over. But I knew the child was focused on it and just had to trust that they would be able to steady it on their own, which they did. There was no spilled soup. 
But this taught me a quite a valuable lesson as well. I learned that helping is not always super helpful. And in this case, the child needed to learn on their own and build that confidence by themselves independently. I would like to think that there's a very nice crossover between what you've experienced in athletics and what you just described at Little Kitchen Academy. The majority of your coaches over the years probably can't run as fast as you can, but they have to find a way to empower you to get the best out of yourself. Do you see that same similarity? Oh, definitely. Yeah. The parallel is there for sure because your coach isn't running the race for you. You're doing that. You're building those strategies and those mental tactics and you're the one that's engaging in the training every day. And you're also the one that has to show up on race day confident, right? So building that self-confidence and helping children develop that like self-empowerment, I think is really important for the future when they do go out into the world and want to chase after their dreams. They have the confidence to know that they can do what they set their minds to and they can problem solve it and figure it out if something does go awry. Now, one of the things you would have seen during your time at Little Kitchen Academy is that every single email signature in the company tells what the person's one ingredient is in their kitchen. So this is a question we ask every single podcast. I'm going to ask it of you now, Jamie. What is the one ingredient that is always in your kitchen and why? I would say the one ingredient that's always in my kitchen is forgiveness, potentially. I tend to try a lot of different things and they don't always work out in the kitchen. So I keep an open mind and make sure that I try new things despite sometimes them not working out because I don't want to be afraid to experiment and try different things in the kitchen. So for that, I need to forgive myself when things do go (laughs) awry. Although I will say the one actual ingredient that's always in my kitchen is peanut butter, which might be the athlete in me. But (laughs) that's the one one ingredient that if it runs out, I am sprinting to the grocery store to get some more. (laughs) (laughs) You are now the third person on this podcast who has mentioned peanut butter as the number one (laughs) ingredient in their kitchen. Yeah, yeah, it's important for me. (laughs) I do want to come back to forgiveness, though, because I think you make a very valuable point for life, and it certainly applies to athletics. I'm sure you've seen over the years, it's really easy when we don't accomplish what we set out to do, whether it's in the kitchen, on the track, no matter what it is during the day, to beat ourselves up and to feel less than. But your point about forgiving yourself is a very valuable one that does lead to empowerment, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, no one's perfect. It's impossible. My diet's not perfect. My life's not perfect. No athlete has a perfect track record or a perfect career. So you're going to hit bumps in the road and you're going to have those races that make you question why you're doing what you're doing. But for you to take those lesser performances and forgive yourself for them and have grace and move on and be able to get stronger from it is a really essential part of being an athlete and being human. And in my view, it's a very essential part of creating a healthy diet. 
when people look to shift the way that they eat, there are a lot of people who feel it has to be all or nothing. And that's just not realistic. And I wonder how often you use that when you're talking to people about their diets, about becoming better on the nutrition front. Look, just because you had something that's not particularly healthy doesn't mean you need to beat yourself up over it. You're going to get to eat again in a few hours. You have another opportunity right in front of you. Oh, all the time, Scott. We use that constantly when we're trying to educate people, especially around changing habits. It's important to recognize that you can't eat a perfect diet all the time. So when you do eat something that for you, maybe you've been trying to eat less of or something like that to not beat yourself up and totally abandon the goals that you've set and instead just forgive yourself, move on, enjoy the food you're eating and get on with your day, really. Yeah, you'd never ask someone who'd never run before to go run a marathon in a week's time. And it's the same thing when changing your eating habits. At least that's the way I see it, Jamie. I'm wondering how your time at Little Kitchen Academy has influenced your perspective on food and nutrition, especially as an athlete. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I would say my experience at Little Kitchen definitely made me appreciate how I was brought up and raised and I was brought up comfortable in the kitchen and comfortable trying new things and exploring and all of that great stuff that comes with being allowed to experiment in the kitchen as a child. So watching what Little Kitchen is doing and watching how They're taking children who might not always have that opportunity and give it to them definitely has made me appreciate my own upbringing and also like tying that in with some of the sports stuff. As an athlete, it is important for you to understand nutrition, right? So teaching kids at a young age to be comfortable talking about food and preparing food really sets them up a little bit better, right? If they're looking at being more athletic, going into sports and doing all that stuff and knowing that they can make a smoothie on their own and understanding the ingredients that go into it and how that can help fuel their bodies really sets them up for some success right out of the get-go. Felicity and Brian say this all the time, and it's echoed by all of the people who work at Little Kitchen Academy, and often they're referring to the students, but I certainly would put you in this conversation that they don't just teach the students, the students teach them so much more, and one of the things Felicity mentioned to me is that you were extremely helpful to Little Kitchen Academy in creating perspective for student-athletes. How did you go about doing that? Oh, I'm impressed that she felt that way and was appreciative of whatever it was that I did teach her. I felt like I was just doing the task that was and project that was set out for me, which was to create a sports nutrition curriculum, which is probably what Felicity is talking about. I was able to kind of create some frameworks and some basic lessons and teachings that I thought would be most important for kind of high school age student athletes to grasp in terms of nutrition and learn in terms of nutrition that would help them improve their health and improve their performance ideally. So I 
kind of used my own experience and some of the education I've received at UBC to develop a couple different concepts, which involved talking about energy and getting enough energy, talking about protein, talking about carbohydrates, and how to kind of get a good balance of all of those things in order to help build muscle and fuel your recovery as an athlete, which is something that high school aged athletes sometimes kind of miss a little bit. So I was glad to work on that project for her. And I'm glad that she learned something. (laughs) You mentioned a word that doesn't get talked about often enough when it comes to food, nutrition, and athletes, and that's recovery. We often talk about putting the right food and fuel into your body to get the best performance, but there's another side to that as well. How essential is what you eat post-competition, post-training, to what you're actually doing as an athlete? Oh, it's quite essential, Scott. We often say workouts not over until you've had your recovery snack, which, I mean, I didn't learn that in high school. (laughs) Even being someone who is quite involved in food and nutrition and that concept wasn't really introduced to me until later. So getting that recovery snack of bit of protein, bit of carbohydrates and some fluid is really important because your muscles are still working to recover even after you've stopped doing the exercise. So they're trying to rebuild muscle. They're trying to heal and reduce inflammation and all that stuff. So having that recovery snack of some fluid, some protein and some carbohydrate is quite important to help you get stronger. And I've actually found as a parent, it's a really nice gateway into your child's experience around athletics as well. A high-level athlete told me years ago that one of the only questions you should ask your child after a practice or a game when they're at very young levels is, what would you like to eat? Then it's not about the pressure of the competition. It's not about how many goals you scored, what time you got on the track. It's about something fun and enjoyable. And as you just described, that's an essential part about learning about your body and about athletics as well. Oh, totally. 100%. Yeah. And kind of that is a nice element as a parent to take the pressure off the result or the competition right away, especially if the child can be a little bit emotional after or is kind of trying to sort through how they feel about what happened that day and teaching them no matter what happened, you still need to fuel your body after a competition or a hard effort and kind of shifting the focus also away from the event and kind of reframing it to focus on moving forward and what are we going to do going forward to improve from this and yeah get stronger as an athlete well as you move forward and get stronger we are coming down to closing time for you on your university career in athletics and your time as a student as well you are on the cusp of finishing your competitions at ubc and you've also got the completion of your degree so what does the future hold beyond that for Jamie Hennessy. I'm hoping it's a bright and exciting adventurous future. I have my last season with competing as a UBC Thunderbird this year, so that's very exciting. I'll have my last track race with them in May, and then after that I have another month of practicum. I'll be in Vancouver for that. So by the end of June, I will have no strings attached anymore and I'll be a freebie, which is very exciting. I'm planning on downsizing and just taking my bike around the province for 
a month plus to explore and see some new things, go up to Haida Gwaii and kind of see what else this beautiful province has to offer before I get back to the Lower Mainland and find a job and settle into a hopefully very rewarding career as a dietitian. As you found out during your athletic and your academic journey as well, plans can change. And we don't know what influences there are going to be six months from now, let alone four or five years from now. But if we're looking into a crystal ball today and we have this conversation four or five, maybe 10 years from now, do you expect that your future will not only involve food and nutrition, but athletics as well? I really hope it does. I would love to continue being an athlete myself and continue running after I'm done with the UBC stuff. I think it would be really rewarding if I could tie in my personal knowledge and experience with sport with the nutrition side of things and do some counseling as a sports dietitian. I think that would be quite valuable and helpful to BC or Canada or wherever I end up. And at the same time, I also am really challenged and interested in the clinical environments of the dietetics profession. So working with people who are sick or people who are in kind of recovering from an illness and trying to optimize their nutrition, I find that challenging and engaging. So I could see myself kind of doing a bit of both, a bit of clinical work and a bit of more outpatient counseling style with working with athletes to help them also optimize their nutrition and be as confident as possible. (laughs) Well, you are a very ambitious, hardworking, and already very accomplished young woman. So I have no doubt that the future is bright. It is fun and filled with adventures for you. Thank you so much for doing this today, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me, Scott. And I feel quite blessed to have been a student with LKA. It definitely did help with my education and taught me a lot. So I really appreciate all of the LKA love. (laughs) Meet Me in the Kitchen is curated and produced by Toolkit Content. You can find more information about Little Kitchen Academy, including classes, locations, employment, and franchise opportunities at littlekitchenacademy.com. What's the one ingredient that's always in your kitchen?